some of the world's most innovative beauty and fashion companies reach mobile users through Attentive, the personalized text messaging solution trusted by over 1,000 brands. Get powerful results from text messaging and over 25 times ROI with Attentive. Request a demo today at attentivemobile.com. What makes a difference in Lebanon is the sense and the values that the people have for each other, for their country, and all of them. Everyone's seeing these images on TV and they're shocked, but they also don't know how to help. I would like to ask people to keep talking about uh, Lebanon, keep talking about what happened in Lebanon. This first will help us as Lebanese people just to be able to keep putting pressure on our government to keep treating us in, in, in a better way and, and fixing the problems of this country. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the POF podcast. It's been a harrowing period over the past couple of weeks in Lebanon, where people are still picking up the pieces after a huge explosion that has killed more than 150 people and left hundreds of thousands of people homeless. The local fashion industry has also been hit very hard. Businesses were already struggling under the weight of an economic malaise, which was then exacerbated by the coronavirus pandemic, something we called a triple crisis in the reporting that BOF did in the aftermath of the explosion. Today, I sit down with Ailey Saab Jr., Amin Jarasati, and Roni Halu, all on the ground in Beirut, to learn about the state of the industry and where it will go from here. Here's Ailey Saab Jr., Amin Jarasati, and Roni Halu, Inside Fashion. Ely, I thought we could start with you. And what, what I'd like to do in the first instance is if each of you could introduce yourselves and your businesses, uh, describe um, where you were last week when the explosion happened, and just describe the, the impact on you personally and your businesses, just so we understand a bit better how different parts of the industry are being impacted by this crisis. Sure. Well, um... Uh, I'm Eli, and uh, I'm CEO of uh, the Elisab Group. Um, actually, last um, last are we Tuesday or Tuesday? Yeah. So last Tuesday, exactly around uh, that time, it happens that we're talking exactly at the same time when uh, the explosion hit Beirut uh, two weeks ago, exactly last Tuesday. Same time, same day. Um, we were all still uh, at our headquarters, where I'm calling you from. Uh, and uh, actually, the whole team was still at the office since we're working late hours to prepare for our next uh, haute couture presentation, our next ready-to-wear bridal presentation, and our next... Uh, ready-to-wear presentation, which are all due beginning, mid, and end of September. Uh, so the whole team was in the building. And actually, some people that were in the city had the visibility on the port, so knew what would be happening. They saw uh, fire going out of the port, etc., etc., and managed to prevent it. We were actually sitting, we're in the middle of downtown, sur surrounded with buildings, etc. So we don't have a real visibility on the port. And each one was doing his own thing in meetings, the normal activity at the office. 
and the bomb hit us by big surprise. And what was most striking was not knowing where this bomb was hitting us from, because we were sure that it came just uh, from around the corner, from the strength and uh, from the, how, how strong it hit us. Um, of course, we had some injuries, blood uh, flowing around, the glasses shattered, uh, you, you name it. And uh, it was a big panic. And uh, then I received a call thinking that someone was calling to ensure that we were safe. And little did I know, they were telling me that they were even hit and they were 20, 15 to 20 kilometers away from us. So I was like, what the hell is happening? Are we being bombarded from all over the place or, or, or what's going on? Should I go right or am I going to get another bomb or should I go left? There was an important uncertainty. So I and I guess, I guess what you're saying, Ellie, is at the time, you didn't, nobody knew where the explosion would, had come from. Nobody knew. Some, yeah, some people that had visibility to the port were sure that it came from there because they saw flames coming. But people that don't that are on the other side of the city and don't have the visibility on the port had no idea where it could have come from because it was so strong that I can assure you that anyone thought that the, the explosion was just under their building right. without a doubt right. and just thinking about it now is just bringing so so many bad memories and it was such an intense shock so violent that really it's indescribably violent like even when I think about the times of war. And of course, in our organization, we talk about resilience because my father, which founded this company, founded this company through a time of war. And we used to hear the stories of what it is to live under the violence, under the threat, under missiles, under explosions, etc. I never imagined that the shock would be that strong. Because I think everyone was already tense. And this came in such a violent way, such an abrupt way. And it targeted each and every single person, directly or indirectly, in their home, in their workplace, in their safety zone, in places that we never thought that could be hit, even in the biggest time of war in Lebanon. And it came in. So really, the damage is, for sure, uh, physical, there is a lot of damage linked to property destroyed, etc. But of course, it came into people's heart. Uh, it brought in a feeling in people's heart that some generations thought they forgot and other generations which never knew. Uh, so, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I mean, where were you when the explosion happened and 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 how how did you experience it so i was um i was at the office i live uh, i live in madam khayel and my showroom and office is in the same building on the ground floor so uh, i was down around 601 um my neighbor sent me a, a picture of the port in flames telling me are you watching this on the news and i'm like no i'm still in the office i'm going to go up and check I locked the showroom, went up to the house to check. As soon as I arrived, the first bomb exploded, which we thought it was kind of an earthquake. The minute I sat on my couch, literally the minute I sat on my couch, 
everything blew off. Everything, everything, everything went down. A, a, a huge sound, very, very, very hard sound. Uh, screams everywhere. I just, in the blink of an eye, uh, I saw everything. Everything was black and white when I opened my eyes. And I didn't realize if I was alive. Is this a dream? Is this a nightmare? What the hell is happening? No doors, uh, walls on the floor. I, I go I go down straight away on the street. Uh, and this is where I, I witnessed uh, like a war scene. Everything was completely completely, completely, completely destroyed. Blood everywhere, people holding babies full of blood, uh, elderly, young, uh, people were just running and everywhere. And I was injured in the head and in the hand. So I had to, to run quickly to, uh, to an ambulance. We went in an ambulance, we were 15 in this ambulance. I couldn't manage the stress. So I went down, saw a guy in a motorcycle, told him to, to drive me to the hospital. And uh, this is where, this is how it happened. It, it, it's, um, it, it was really um, a nightmare, a nightmare. It sound, I mean, it sounds, it sounds unimaginable. Roni, how about you? Um, first, hi everyone. So I'm Roni, I'm um, the founder and creative director of Roni Hello, uh, ready to wear or luxury Ready to wear brand based in Beirut with sustainability, human and animal rights uh, in its heart. Um, I was in my um, apartment in Manam Khayel, which is uh, basically half of it is an apartment and half of it is my office, a showroom and atelier. And uh, my mom and my sister are part of the team. And that day we were all together. Uh, working and to be honest I was in a bad mood since morning so we were working from my bedroom um, so we were doing sending emails and doing reports from the bedroom which is the room that faces the port the most and it's the room that was hit the most uh, in the house uh, we were there and uh, we were honestly alerted by some sounds uh, my cousin was there with us uh, actually and uh, we ran towards the corridor. And before even I reached the corridor, the first explosion happened and some glass shattered and hit me. Um, and then we ran to the corridor again. We all reached like the middle of the corridor and the bigger explosion happened. And uh, that moment was something I can't even describe because what you feel at that moment, at this exact moment is you feel you're, you're afraid, you're, you don't know what to do, you're lost, you, you lose sense of, of place and, and time, you just don't know what to do. Especially in my case, that I had my mom, my sister, and my cousin. So the minute that happened, I had to be, I had to man up and, and think about them and not just me. So I was immediately, I mean, I, I think I was very lucky that um, I was very focused on directing everyone how to do where to go how to act properly in this situation uh, even i honestly i i, I have um i'm a, i rescue animals so i had also my pets in there so i made sure that everyone is, is safe I, I evacuated everyone safely and we went down and then that's when we saw all the neighbors uh going down the building we started asking we, did, we didn't know what to do we didn't know whether to leave or not we didn't know was whether it was an airstrike or it was a a, a uh, uh, an earthquake or we didn't know what was that so it took us time to get to call people to get 
the insights of what actually happened until we could actually start thinking okay let's leave let's stay what to do so it was it was a it was a tough uh, moment to be honest so that the explosion happened on the 4th of august and some time has now passed since then you know can you can you guys give us a sense of what's happening on the ground now i mean i was i was really moved to see those scenes on television of you know everyday people in lebanon uh, in Beirut, you know, in the streets with brooms and shovels and, you know, because, you know, as, as, as many of the listeners and viewers will know that there's this wider political crisis and economic crisis, not to mention the public health crisis around the coronavirus also um, happening in Lebanon right now. And so the amount of government support to actually pick up and, and, and kind of clean up in the aftermath of this disaster, much of it was basically left to ordinary citizens. I mean, what's happening today? You know, how, how, how has the situation evolved in the time since the explosion? Maybe, um, Ely, you could start. Um, listen, at the end of the day, uh, Lebanon is known that it is, it is made by its Lebanese people. Lebanon, for sure, is a beautiful country that has different scenes, etc. But really, what makes a difference in Lebanon is the sense and the values that the people have uh, for each other, for their country, and all of that. And these are the real people that are making a difference on the ground. Everyone gathered up. Uh, everyone is doing all they can to be, to be able to bring an added value on the ground to support people that are in need. We have to bear in mind that our people with no shelter, that are people that already had a difficulty uh, bringing food on the on the table for their families, etc. Even before the crisis, let alone what's going to happen now, and also think that we're going to come into a winter season where people, where a majority of people, elderly people, young uh, young people, families that have no shelter and all they had is their home, and it's suddenly destroyed. I know Amin uh, and uh, and Roni have been doing a lot of work on the ground. I see Amin have been, even though he has been hit severely, has uh, has been working on the ground, supporting people, even the state that he is, he needs support. <laughs> and and he's putting all his efforts to be able to, 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 to drive and to support with all he can. And I think he would be best to describe to you what's happening on the ground because I've seen how how much he's been putting on the ground to support all the people that are in need, regardless of his situation. Uh, in, in my case, um, the solidarity of the people and the help that, uh, the, that I saw the first day coming from this entire youth in the country um, made me realize that I shouldn't be staying at home and just getting depressed and crying because I have lost my house or my business or my car. I need to be down helping people um, clean up, giving food to people, um, giving them moral support. Because what I've seen is kind of a, being on the ground and helping is, is a therapy for me. It's helping me overcome whatever I've, I've lived or witnessed. And, um, and I'll have time to clean up my mess, but, um, 
but I, I need to be underground helping people. There's a lot of people that need help, that need food, that need shelter, that need care, that need moral support. And there's no one to give it to them, no one. So at least we're here because as Elise said, it's the Lebanese people that makes this country. Roni, I don't know if you have something to add. Honestly, I would just like to say it's unfortunate to see that, uh, that the people, the Lebanese people is doing more than what the government is doing. Uh, the Lebanese people are doing, are, are, are taking the role, are, are assuming the role of the government. Um, it's the people who were hurt by the, by the explosion. It's the people who lost their houses are actually still down there helping other people. Uh, and it's really sad uh, to, say, to say that, but at the same time, uh, we, we, I can't be more proud of, of us as a people. We really showed that we are, when, when, when we need to be one, uh, we, we, we're, we're uh, how to say, I mean, we're, we can do it. So we can help each other. Uh, also, uh, I want to say that a lot of, every, I think a lot of people know that the area, the Jemez and Manamchayel area is, um, a hub for creatives is a hub for for FNB. There's a lot of rest have um, maybe memories there. We we have a lot of friends, so I think that's why also everyone was involved because everyone in Lebanon knows somebody who lives there, and everyone wanted to help that person, and that's why everybody came together to help the area and the people of the area and the people that were hit by the explosion. I mean, that's actually a really great. Uh, way of, of of moving on to my next topic, which Eli, I was hoping you could help us walk through. You know, one of the things I learned uh, on my visits to Lebanon and in speaking with you know designers from the region is that there's actually such a rich fashion history in Lebanon. You know, and part of it roots back to the times uh, of the French colonial era. But uh, help us understand. You know, we we've, we've just discussed this kind of massive explosion and the impact on day-to-day life, but help us to understand also, you know, what makes up the Lebanese fashion industry? What are the skills and and talents and, and creativity that exist in this industry? Um, and how that's kind of, how you see that being now impacted um, by, this, by this explosion? Well, just to talk a bit about history, Lebanon uh, is known to be and to have always been uh, the most westernized country in the East. Uh, And they used to call it the Paris of the Middle East. It's a bit cliche for us as Lebanese to hear that, uh, especially after this bomb that took place. Uh, But uh, it is, and I believe it will always be the case. Uh, And historically, not just because it was a colonial uh, uh, French colony, but Lebanese had always a taste and a beautiful taste for the, the for, for the Western world, etc. Because it is in a such an strategic point to the Mediterranean, and it has gone through uh, not just the French colony, but it's also one of the oldest uh, countries in the world historically. We had the, the Romans, the Phoenicians, the Romans, and uh, all that goes uh, with it. Um, but if we talk about the more modern world, uh, well, in the last uh, hundred years, and when we look at the, the haute culture scene, uh, like any um, big uh, big capital, we used to have um, very important, like very skilled uh, 
couturière or couturier that used to import uh, French patterns uh, from Christian Dior or, or Chanel, etc. And they used to, of course, have them done locally with certain fabrics. And uh, of course, there was a high demand for that. The golden uh, age of Lebanon uh, was in the 60s, 70s, where we had uh, all the jet set coming into Lebanon, uh, visiting the place with all the biggest festivals and, and, all, and all of that. And then unfortunately we had the war that, uh, that, that hit us. And Lebanon has been a state of war from then on for 30 years. And then slowly recovering throughout the 90s to see a small boom in the early 2000s, and then unfortunately come back into war again. This whole history brings an important resilience to the Lebanese people. So um, we were just talking before, uh, before, before going live, saying, okay, Amin lost his house, Ronnie lost his job and, uh, and all that, all that he has built so far, etc. And we will still say it's okay, but it's not okay because okay, it's okay because we've seen our parents go through the same things and our grandparents go through the same thing, and it's uh, it's just part of the Lebanese to it. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to know how to move on. Um, now, if if we look at where we are today. Uh, and, and, and how we see, we, we as Elisab see things moving forward. Um, we, the, the second day, the, the, the bomb hit, of course, after ensuring that everyone is safe and sound within our company, within, within our, our, our respective families, etc. Our first, uh, our first reflex was to say, okay, how do we start rebuilding? How do we start reorganizing, etc.? Because it's impossible to stop here. And there's two ways to look at it. Either you look at this incident as something that will destroy you, or you look at this incident as something that will make you stronger. And of course, we encourage all the Lebanese not to uh, dwell into the wounds of the destruction that took place, but actually to use this destruction to empower them to come back stronger and to even come back to work in a more aggressive way, in a more focused way, in a way that says that, okay, you know what? I saw blood, uh, I was gonna lose my life. You know what? Now it's my time to come back come back in a stronger way in a much more focused way and and not waste time on unnecessary uh, blah blah or sorry to say bullshit that don't lead up to anything now it's the time to stand up man up as you said Ronnie and take the lead and try to utilize this energy into something positive mm. Roni, your business, as you mentioned earlier, was founded on on a really kind of ethical, sustainable principles, right? And we've we in the global fashion industry, 
have been talking about resetting the industry. We've been talking about taking a step back. I mean, to what extent has this situation kind of reframed for you or even amplified for you the focus that you've had on kind of building a different kind of fashion business? Because of course, Ailey's family business is a, a big business. You and Amin have much smaller businesses that you were just in the midst of kind of putting together. So how, how has this situation kind of reshaped the way you view the principles upon which your business has been founded? And, and, and what do you think you, know, you might learn from this for, for going forward? Uh, to be honest, uh, for, for a while now, I've been really emphasizing on the importance of reinventing the industry because uh, from what we are seeing, not just locally, but globally, there's something not working properly anymore, which is a really uh, important, uh, like Andy's to say that some something needs to change. Um, after Corona and actually being a small business helped uh, to kind of, experience a bit more maybe a small business small businesses can can do that more than big businesses but during corona we we were able to experiment a bit with our approaches with how we approach uh, different aspects of the business um this was very helpful but also now with the explosion uh honestly to see that to reach a point where you see that uh, i'm pretty sure Amin feels the same way that you lost your business um you lost your house you lost your business your team members and their families lost their income for the moment. Uh, this puts pressure on the person to actually stand up and try to do something because you're not just thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about your sales. You're not thinking about the business itself, but you're thinking about the people behind that business. And this is something, uh, I think it is a very important part of sustainability in general. Sustainability is not just talking about the earth and the planet and the environment, but it's actually uh, talking about the different aspects of everything whether it's humans the environment animals everything so now i think in this case we need to focus again on standing back on our feet to help those families because if we don't um recover or if we don't put a plan to recover it means we're we're taking hope away from them to actually be able to put food on their table again and when you're when you reach that point which is kind of like you reach a point where you're like i have nothing what i'm gonna do you start to reinvent everything, your, your perception, everything, everything changes. And that's where actually you start uh, breaking those limits, those barriers and those boundaries that kind of limit you. And you start thinking in a more progressive way and in, in more and in, in new ways to actually rebuild yourself in a, in a better way and rebuild your brand and you rebuild your strategies in a better way. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know what you think about that, but basically that's my personal experience. Uh, through everything that happened. I agree with everything you've been saying, uh, Ronnie, but at the same time, you have a big problem. It's where do you start? What do you do? Because it's not only an office or a showroom that got destroyed. Some designers lost everything. It's an entire business that got destroyed. Um, you have people that lost all the archives, all the fabrics that they need to start from zero. And when you want to rebuild, are you really sure that this... Um, you have the, the financial and economical crisis that will also hit you in the face as soon as you, you start to stand up again. So there's a lot to rethink. There's a lot to do. And um, for example, for me... So, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. can I be so forward as to ask, are, are you just re-evaluating whether you stay in the business altogether or are you committed to 
getting back? No, no, of course I'm staying. No, of course I'm staying in the business. But it's 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 very important to 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 just highlight the fact that you for example, me, I don't know where to start from again. I don't know how because production is going to cost a fortune. The, the problem of fab, uh, getting fabric is going to co- cost a fortune. Uh, ship, shipment, uh, uh, we have problem in shipment because of COVID and rerouting the entire shipment. A shipment that used to take three days is now taking uh, three weeks. Uh, by, uh, buying uh, fabric from abroad, you don't have access to your entire money. Uh, there's a lot of questions. It's not as simple as just let's go and rebuild. It is going to take a lot of time to do this. And a lot of uh, rethinking strategically how to start again. Well, well, let's talk about that because, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation is because, you know, whether many people in the fashion industry globally recognize it or not, there's a lot of links you know, business links, you know, partnerships, uh, vendors, retail partnerships. There's so many connections between the Lebanese fashion industry and the rest of the world, right? You know, Ely, you know, your um, business shows its collections in Paris. You know, you know, the two of you, the younger designers, Amin and Roni, you've got, you know, relationships, uh, you know, Roni, you won the Fashion Trust Arabia Prize, which you know puts you on this global map. And so, if you have a global platform right now, each of you, I'd love to hear from you on how we, as an industry, can support you. You know what? You know, the, for the people listening uh, around the world, you know, what can we do? Because everyone's seeing these images on TV, and they're 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 shocked, but they also don't know how to help. Um, Roni, maybe maybe we could start with you. Uh, um, I would start by asking people to uh, first because we live in a world where every news, every second, something new happens, and and uh, right away you be you don't you become old news. I want I would like to ask people to keep talking about uh, Lebanon, keep talking about what happened in Lebanon. This first will help us as Lebanese people just to be able to keep putting pressure on our government to keep treating us and in, in, in a better way and, and fixing uh, the problems of this country. This is, I think, the first thing we need from people is uh, support and keep talking about Lebanon. Uh, on Beside that, what we need, we are, as, as Lebanese creatives, especially like Lebanese fashion designers, we are part of this global industry. And we've seen many and many times um, the big designers, uh, whether locally or internationally or, or regionally or internationally, we've seen them stand with, um, with especially when, when a, a catastrophe happens, we've seen them support. Uh, all, honestly, today, I'm asking all the big, the big heads in the fashion industry, especially the global ones, to look at us and help us. We are people who've been, who, who went through a lot especially as designers, from all the issues that I mean, uh, starting with all the issues that I mean just mentioned, uh, from, from the production to lack of support of the government to, to everything. Honestly, we, we're, we're not, uh, we're strategically, we're not the best country maybe for that and logistically. So we ask all those companies to, to look at us and try to support us, whether by giving us by giving us visibility, and I'm not just saying I'm mentioning I don't mention I'm not mentioning visibility as an exposure in 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 magazines and media, but also try 
helping and 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 uh, helping the Lebanese designers or, or regional designers, but specifically Lebanese designers, to to be present in those big boutiques, in those help help their business to grow. You know, like give us give us your trust and and help supporting us by actually we don't want just we don't need money, but we actually need your help for us to to have our business properly functioning, just like regular businesses abroad. Um, as for other people, um, we are we have launched uh, a campaign uh, to help support all the creatives uh, in Beirut that were hit by by uh, uh, by the explosion. And I don't know if you if you uh, want me to explain more about it now, or we can uh, go back to it yes, uh, later. Please. So this campaign is no, in please, partnership. Tell us about it. This campaign, uh, as I said, uh, the, the aim is to support uh, local designers uh, that were hit by the explosion um, from not necessarily, not designers, but actually local creatives, because we're not just focused on fashion designers. Uh, we want to we wanna help as much, as, as much cre- creatives as possible from art galleries to, to bookshops, small bookshops, to, to, to uh, fashion designers, project, uh, product designers, small boutiques, small concept stores. But now we're... Starting with 40, 40 creative, uh, you can see the list on the Slow Factory. It is a partnership with the Slow Factory, which is an NGO based uh, in uh, the U.S. With Start Foundation, which is an NGO based in Lebanon. Foundation, Bureau des Créateurs, Maison Pyramide, and Folk Consultancy, which are three uh, PR companies based between Beirut, Cairo, and Dubai, and we all partnered up together just to. Try and raise as much money as possible to help these specific designers. As around one, we're hoping to be able to have around two and to help more and more designers. So everyone who who can help, uh, they can go on uh, the Slow Factory on uh, their uh, website and they can check Super Fund, which is the campaign dedicated uh, to help us. And people can donate. And me and Amin are part of uh, this campaign. Um, so we help. We hope we can get. We can help as much as. Uh, creatives as as much creatives as possible. Eli, is there anything you would add? No. Um, I think uh, everything that uh, Ronnie said is uh, totally relevant. What I can say from my point of view is that, um, of course, the the Lebanese creatives don't need uh, a stamp of approval anymore. I think they have done uh, their share of... uh, proving time after time how, how, how they can make a difference on the global scene. So from my point of view, this is a point that we have to all, like I, I hope we all agree on. Uh, from a second point of view, I believe that, uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs like Amin and Roni that are trying to set up their business out of Lebanon, and this is something that uh, Elisab has tried to do a lot for the country to support the Lebanese ecosystem uh, to grow uh, to grow organically or to 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 grow as we go, as as it goes along because we know how 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 much potential there is in the the Lebanese youth and how much we believe in the Lebanese people. Um, from another point of view, we all know that there's 4 million people in Lebanon and there are at least 
15, 10 to 15 million outside of Lebanon. And there are at least 2 million people that are, that, that are expats or that are studying abroad in the biggest, the, the most important universities in the world. And, and that they have been investing a lot in their education and they would, would love to grow into the fashion world. I think the first thing that uh, the international companies can do, the big conglomerates of fashion can do, is to recognize those talents coming out of school and to give them a chance to sp sponsor them probably within their organizations to be able to work in New York, in Paris, in London, uh, because by doing that, uh, they will, of course, support their experience, support them in uh, enriching their experience. And we know for a fact that the Lebanese, as much as they love living in London, in New York, etc., they have a big fab to coming back to their country and bringing back to their country. And I think this, it would, this would be uh, an important thing to do. It's not just supporting uh, entrepreneurs such as uh, Roni and Amin, but as well supporting people uh, to grow within an organization, to, to, to learn the fashion industry and how to operate in the fashion industry. And that would be a very easy thing to do for any fashion house. We're not asking for the moon. We're asking for some recognition and some support uh, in this respect. And I, I can guarantee that they will not be disappointed. So there. Okay. Well, I mean, I shared the link and we will share the link to the fund in the, in the channel here and also in the article and help to spread the word. I think that's really important work. Um, we're gonna run out of time soon and I wanted to make sure to go back to each one of you and just ask you, you know, to, in conclusion, I'm wondering if you could give me one word that would help to explain how you're thinking about the future as um, you and, and your, your colleagues in the Lebanese fashion industry aim to bounce back uh, from this crisis. Uh, I mean? I, I, I just need to add one thing to everything that has been said, um, that Elia and Roni said. Uh, brands in Lebanon today, located in Lebanon, are very, very uh, limited with everything that has been happening. And like Rooney said, there are more than 40 designers that has been badly hit. And some of them are in the incapability, incapacity to rebuild. So uh, we, we are here for an international call and... Uh, we need uh, support, international support. And for that, Milan Fashion Week also, um, uh, Sarah Maino uh, is dedicating a digital space for the Lebanese um, designers during Milan Fashion Week. And Farfetched has been in touch also to be able to, uh, to sell whatever is left from the stock of the designers, if ever something is left. To be sell uh, to be sold on uh, on this on on the on their platform. Also, we don't need to forget that the fashion industry also here. We're talking about photographers and production houses that have been really really badly badly hit uh, as well. So as Elie said, we need to give everyone a chance to be able to stand up again. And um, and yeah, that's it. And, and, and your one word as you think about the future 
your mindset going forward, I mean? One word, hope. Hope. It's an easy one, but like we, we, that's the only thing we have left, really. Roni, what about you? Um, honestly, I, I would say the future in general, um, I, I believe the future is green. But in Lebanon, I think the future is hopeful if we stand together hand in hand and if we believe in our youth and uh, fight for, for and a Ili, better, the final for word better goes country to you. and for a better future. Well, it's, a, uh, it's also an obvious one where resilience and patience will lead to, for sure, a better future. Um, because patience is, is key at the moment. And just to add on Amin's and Ronnie's point, I know that a lot of um, institutions have, uh, have suggested their support. But I, I really ask that it is not a short-term support. Because whoever institution that suggested uh, to show uh, in Milan Fashion Week, in the next Milan Fashion Week, they have to bear in mind that the next Milan Fashion Week should not be counted as the main Fashion Week where they would give a space or the Paris, Paris Fashion Week or any other platform. Because uh, uh, the, 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 the young or the, the designers today need time to recover, to be able to have time to prepare for the next fashion week, early 21 at least, because it needs time. There is no way on earth that um, anyone could, after a destruction like that, uh, Amin or Roni that I think lost a lot, not just materially, but as well emotionally, could come up with a collection that could be inspiring in any way. We need time. And I ask for time and, okay, for sure, there will be a lot of news. There will be a lot of breaking news from now till next year. But please allow time for the young designers of Lebanon to uh, manage to regroup, uh, to come up with uh, a right way of expressing what they would like to uh, express. Because we want this energy to go in the right way and not to have an additional pressure. Fashion is uh, a, 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 an industry that has a lot of pressure. The Lebanese designers today need a break and need to know that we will be there for them uh, when they are ready in six, eight, nine, 10, 12 months. And this is uh, a message that I would like to uh, really uh, hope that you help us get across Imran, uh, because this is key. Because on top of pressure that, okay, suddenly we, we, have, we are not coming out of the, of, with a collection, we might lose our place in this world, we might lose all our efforts that we have done so far. This is an immense pressure on top of the pressure that they are living today. So what I have to ask, you, Imran, is for us to work together to ensure that when the time is right for them, that they could have their space and not waste this all their efforts and all their time and all their creativity because of something that is out of their control. 
So I really hope we're going to be able to achieve that and to give the right time and space for them to shine again. Yeah. Well, you have my commitment. I mean, we are, we at BOF are here to support in whatever way we can. Hopefully, there'll be lots of people listening as well. If you want to learn more about the the crowdfunding uh, initiative uh, with between the Slow Factory and is, did you say Stark Foundation, Romy? Yeah, the Starch Foundation. The Starch Foundation. Um, we'll make sure to put some information about that in the copy of the text um, for this um, special live event, and then also for the the podcast that comes after. And you know, guys, you know, we're all rooting for you. And if there's anything we can do, you know, please keep in touch with us. Um, I can't even imagine uh, how. Uh, it feels to be in the situation that you're in. But the fact that you're all so passionate and committed to your country is something I think we can all learn from. And, I ho- and I'm, I'm hopeful too, I mean, that, um, that there's some light at the end of this very, very long tunnel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much, right. Imran. Thanks. All right. And that's all for today on BOF Live. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Uh, you can tune in for more episodes of BOF Live. Check out businessoffashion.com slash events and the full calendar is there. And thanks again to Eli, uh, to Romy and to Amin for their time today, especially at such a challenging moment. I'm really grateful that you you made the time uh, to talk to us and share your experiences. Um, I'm really grateful. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, learning materials from BOF Education.